Welcome back, folks, to Emory's number one soccer podcast, the Shootout Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Moskowitz. So I figured that we needed to finish the year on the podcast the way that we started with the co-founder of the podcast, Joel Sharp, serving as my co-guest host. So, Joel, how you doing, my boy? You're in London. How's the tier four, tier four lockdown treating you? What's happening in your life? Why did you decide to ditch me back in July? I'm so happy to be back. I'm happy to be guest hosting. Um, You're lucky I don't hold grudges. (laughs) It's the new year, new year resolutions. Exactly. That is my new year's resolution. So (laughs) it makes sense that we're going to be talking about in this episode, each club's new year's resolution. And before we do that, I just want to quickly recap the table going into the new year after this most recent match day 16. So we have Liverpool at the top, United three points behind in second, Leicester 29 points, one point behind United in third, Everton tied with Leicester, Aston Villa in fifth, surprise 26 points in 14 games, very impressive, Chelsea 26 points but in 16 games, Tottenham same with that 26 points in 15 games, Man City 26 points in 14 games. And Southampton on 26 points as well. So very tight, very compact top of the table where anything could happen. Then West Ham, three points behind Southampton in 10th. Leeds on the same points as as West Ham, but with a worse goal difference in 11th. Wolves, very underwhelming start to the season. 21 points from 16 games. Simply not good enough. Same thing with Arsenal in in 13th, who are one point behind Wolves. Newcastle and Crystal Palace, one point behind Arsenal. Burnley, three points behind Crystal Palace in 16th. And Brighton, very close, just outside the relegation zone, 13 points in 16 games played at 17th. In your relegation zone, you have Fulham, West Brom, and Sheffield United in that order. So let's go from the top of the table to the bottom. Let's go with our New Year's resolutions. Let's start with the champions, Liverpool. I mean, there isn't that much that needs to be changed. What do you see as a cause for concern for this team? So I think their cause for concern comes only through the injury problems that they have. Their team, when everyone is fit, is pretty much a perfect team. But you've got Van Dijk out for the season, Joe Gomez out, I think, pretty much for the season. Matip is now injured for a month and he is unreliable. You know, he can be good. Blows hot and cold a lot. So I think they've got to, they've got to get a centre-back. Um, I think that they've got their 19-year-old Reese Williams or, and the 23-year-old Nat Phillips. And I don't think they're going to cut it. That's, those, are the, those are not players that you want starting to win the league. Um, so I think they've got to sign a centre-back. Uh, it doesn't have to be a world-class centre-back. They don't need to shell out 70 million but they got to find a versatile player that can fill that role, I think. Um, maybe someone who's uh, versatile enough to play right back as well. Trent has had some problems this year, injury and playing-wise, to be honest. Um, yeah, Trent hasn't been up to par. Who, Trent? Yeah, this year. Yeah, he's looked, he's looked off. I, I don't know what it is. I mean, he is an unbelievable player. I mean, the stuff he does, like... A, attacking wise as a right back I've never seen before in the Premier League but he defense 
Lee looks like he, he lacks concentration. I agree. And even the attacking side of his game has not been as good. In their most recent game against Newcastle this past week, he and Andy Robertson created zero chances. That's shocking. If you told me that last year, I'd say you're smoking crack or something. You're <laughs> on something. There's no way that would happen. But obviously they have not been as focused, haven't been as sharp, and it's led to Liverpool drawing a lot of games and not scoring that many goals in those games. But like you said, center back has to be the priority. They are the clear favorites to win the title. But if they don't strengthen that center back position and they go into after the January transfer window, they go into that part of the season with Reese Williams slash Nat Phillips and Fabinho at center back. I mean, you're asking for problems. You are bringing the likes of City and United into the title picture. If you go out and get an experienced center back, City and United, as much as it pains me to say it, are most likely done. They're done. But you know. if you but you leave the door open if you don't. So don't mess around Liverpool. Sign an experienced center back and lock up your second consecutive Premier League title, in my opinion. I agree. I completely agree. So let's go to the team in second place in the Premier League. Man United, a surprising second place. And they have been in better form recently. They had a crucial 1-0 victory this past match week against Wolves. Big win. Big, a last-minute or a last-minute winner in the 93rd minute for Marcus Rashford. What do you think United need? What is their New Year's resolution? So I'm not sure they're going to be doing a lot of business in January. But if we look at the year 2021 and the long-term trajectory of Manchester United, they're, not, they're, they're most likely, in my opinion, not going to win the league this year. And I think they've got to do a lot of things in the summer to bridge that gap between them and Liverpool even more because they've, they've done work in that regard uh, in no small part due to Bruno Fernandes, who is just electric. Um, so I think in the summer slash January, they got to get another sense back. Lindelof is not good enough. And if you just take Kurt Zuma, for an example, you put Kurt Zuma, a player who never really reached his potential. People have been talking about him for four or five years now, I feel like. Um, and you put Thiago Silva next to him, an experienced, world-class centre-back, and it makes all the difference in the world. And I think Harry Maguire needs that. I think Harry Maguire needs a better centre-back partner because otherwise, you know, they make, they make a lot of mistakes at the back. Um, another thing is Pogba. That situation has to be resolved. In my opinion, he should go. Um, you know, the agent came out and outright said that he should go and he wants to leave. They got to sort that out. It's just, it's just a mess. Um, and in my opinion... Who do opinion, you see as a possible yeah. replacement for Pogba? Who have you earmarked as a good replacement for Pogba? I think it's tough. I think it's tough. Are they going to go for another Pogba, if that makes sense? Are they going to go for another huge name from a big club that they spend a lot of money on? Or are they going to go for someone a little bit younger? I doubt little... it. I doubt it. You doubt the, the former? You doubt they're going to go for a big name? They're not going to go for a big for a big name. I Because, listen, obviously transfer rumors aren't entirely true, but there always is some truth into it. 
they embellish them, say, oh, like they're super interested in X, but they obviously have some interest in these players if they're willing to put it out in the press. And they've been talking about Eve Basuma from Brighton. I really like him and possibly Eduardo Camavinga from Ren because he wants to leave. Uh, he's French. He's been touted as the next Pogba. I could also see them going for the guy from Ajax, Ryan Gravenberg. Yeah. He's fantastic. Very tall, incredible technical ability, similar to Pogba. So I could see them going for players like that. But but I honestly think Basuma would be a perfect fit. I think Basuma is a great fit. I think Ndidi is, is it's enough. It's true. That, um, similar to Basuma, solid, played in the Premier League. You know exactly. I want that Premier League experience, and especially if they want to challenge. Eduardo Camavinga or Ryan Gravenbark aren't going to just slot into that 11 and play up to their potential. No, I mean, they may have more upside down the line, but if United want to win in the short term, and I think long term, I really like this kid, Basuma. I think he's got, he's developed a lot of quality on the ball. He, is great at tackling and breaking up play. I think he's a glorified version of Fred based on what I've watched of Brighton. And Brighton already pe- already play a more possession style, possession-based style. So he could slot into a team that is better with more quality that likes to play with possession. I think and he would really good. anchor the base of that midfield in the 4-2-3-1 that United prefer to play. And really, like you talked about, United have not had trouble they have not had trouble scoring goals. I think they're second in the Premier League in goals scored. It comes down to defending. And they need that mobile, solid, two-man two, two defensive midfield in front of the likes of Maguire, Lindelof, and Juan Basaka and Shaw. So what, they about, need that. what about James Ward-Prowse? Ah, fuck that guy. I agree. He's great for Southampton, but he doesn't cut it at United. He just doesn't have the athleticism and pace. Yeah, but you look at what a guy like Hoybier did to Tottenham. I think Hoybier is a little more highly touted, or he was a little more highly touted, and he's proven that. And for, for obviously, I talked about United's need for replacement for Bogba you talked about the center back position they need that badly but I think they need a duplicate of Bruno Fernandes in my opinion it doesn't exist that is the new year's resolution because I don't think any anybody can fully put into words what this guy has meant for this football club to be honest yeah but you know they need another Bruno Fernandes they need to could happen, man. Clone him. Everything because, in the world. Dude, did you watch that game against West Ham where they didn't have him in for the first half? Yes. They looked like fucking West Bromwich Albion. They looked like a Sunday league team, to be honest. Um, and then he comes in in the second half and they score three worldies. Yeah. I mean, I can't understate how amazing I think Bruno Fernandes is. I think he is the best signing He's certainly the best player United have had since Sir Alex Ferguson. He's probably the, definitely in the top three players in the Premier League. Um, he is 
a dream signing for any football club. He would get into any team in the world. He would get in the Bayern Munich team. He would definitely walk into the two Spanish giants. PSG would fucking cut up their arm and leg to have him behind Mbappe and Neymar. He is a joke. But unfortunately, every club, when they sign a player for any number of fifth, from 50 million upwards, is looking for Bruno Fernandes. They are looking for that player. And how many players have been signed by the top six for over 50 million in the last 10 years? And how many Bruno Fernandes have there been? Pretty few. I mean, pretty few. So, I, I mean, I would love Arsenal to go out and sign a Bruno Fernandes. Well, Christian Eriksen could possibly that be that man. But we know what Christian Eriksen is. And we know That's he's... That's fair. But Christian Eriksen put up crazy... Obviously, wasn't on Bruno Fernandes' level, but he played fantastic for Tottenham. Yeah, put up absolutely. some crazy numbers. I mean, you take that any fucking day of the week. Absolutely, absolutely. But I'm under no, like, you know, full solutions that Christian Eriksen is going to have the impact at, at 32 or however old he is, is going to have the impact on our team that Bruno had on your team. It's not, it's not going to happen. Yeah, I think that's a fair assumption. And I think all United can hope for. Obviously, they have glaring issues at center back, need another center midfielder, even some competition for Anwar Bissaka. But they need Bruno Fernandez first and foremost to stay healthy. They need him playing every game and they need him to stay healthy. And I think that's the biggest thing that United are hoping for come the new year. So let's go on to Leicester City. What is their new year? I mean, they've surprised people this year. They have been, they followed up a strong campaign last year, finishing in fifth. And they've been very good. Like, what is their New Year's resolution? Can they stick in the top four? In the top four, I don't think so, to be honest. But Do you see them sticking in the top five, though? Where do you see them finishing? I, I see... I see them pretty firmly in that top six, um, you know, with Chelsea, United, Liverpool, Spurs, City. Um, I really think that they're in that position. Brendan, Brendan Rodgers is a great manager. Um, and, I mean, he's doing amazing things. And really, I just think they should keep hold of their players. They've got some great young players. Barnes, Tielemans, Pereira, James Madison, uh, Suyuncu. These are great players, and, and Leicester have in the past sold their great players to other clubs in the Premier League and elsewhere. Keep them. Keep them. And, and keep building. And, you know, the top four is, is not that far away for them. Definitely. You didn't, you didn't mention the best of the bunch, and I know they just signed them this summer, but Wesley Fofana. Yeah. I watched him against United. They had been talking about how great he had played this season his pace, his reading of the game, the passing range that he exhibited. This guy, he looks, he's 20 years old and he just yeah. came over from St. Etienne for 32 million pounds. And you know who was his centre-back partner? William Saliba. Yeah. So who has not fared as well. <laughs> this means our scouts went to the game at <laughs> and they looked at the two centre-backs they were like, no, nah, like, get rid of this Fofana guy. We want Saliba. And yet, hasn't played a minute. Not one minute. So that's 28 million for you. Good bit of business. Yeah, similar fee. And, <laughs> I mean, it shows the state of both respective clubs. Fofana's yeah, fantastic. Absolutely. 
But but I think in order for Leicester to actually make the top four this year, they need another central striker. And I think that was fully on display this past match week against Crystal Palace, where Kelechi Nacho missed a penalty, missed a very good opportunity at the front post with his head. Then Jamie Vardy came on for the last 20 minutes, but Jamie Vardy is turning 34. He's no spring chicken. <laughs> no, he's not. He doesn't look like he's turning 34. He's aging like a fine wine. But uh, um, but it's bound to catch up at some point. The guy needs some rest. I know, 100%. And Iannaccio, you know, I don't want to be rude, but he's a championship player. He's not a Premier League footballer. He's just nah, a- I think he's like a West Brom slash Fulham player. Who are probably both going to be in the championship. Fulham could have some bite to them, but I think West Brom and... But well, yeah, they're I, the only club that could honestly stay up that is currently in the relegation zone, in my opinion. West Brom and Sheffield say goodbye to them. I don't know, but I don't know. Watch out for, for Sam Allardyce. That, that's what I was going to say. Big Sam. That's true. Big Sam. Uh, but yeah, I agree. Back at number nine needed for Leicester. On to Everton. They have also had a great start to the season, a surprisingly great start to the season after making a, a bunch of really good signings this summer. Every single player that they signed, in addition to the emergence of Dominic Calvert-Lewin, has propelled them to this really positive start where they're in the top four after 16 games. So what do you think they need to maintain that momentum and possibly secure either a Champions League or Europa League spot? Yeah, so I think I think they're probably hovering, you know, just below the 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 top six at this point. You know, I think that they they are, are you know going to be vying for that Europa League spot. I think they need some more consistency. They they are they blow such hot and cold. Um, you know, it, a lot is contingent on Hamas Rodriguez being fit. He's he's a class player, and Carlo Ancelotti, three clubs now, seems to be able to get the best out of him. And I think they need another fullback. I mean, when Dinya uh, was was fit and when he wasn't suspended and stuff, he was whipping in crosses that would just just be like a magnet to Calvert-Lewin's head. And um, they've recently been playing four centre-backs in their back four, traditionally four centre-backs across their back four in Keane, Mina, Godfrey, and... Uh, Colgate. Holgate, exactly. Thank you. Um, I think they need some more fullbacks. I mean, they are. Calvert Lewin's going to going to win the headers a lot of the time. So I, th- I think they need that to to get him back to his his best goal scoring records. Yeah, Godfrey has been really good coming over from Norwich. Young defender, his ability to play on the like fill in at left back has been really impressive. I've been very really? impressed with him because he's a center back by trade. It's not easy for a young player to slot into that position. He's done a very good job, and he looks like he has a really promising future at Everton Football Club. I but agree. for me, their New Year's resolution has to be a healthy James Rodriguez and just increase depth everywhere. Yeah. Because Ancelotti made, I think it was three or four really great signings this summer, but Everton have been mismanaged for a long time. And while they have a strong starting 11 right now, they don't have the depth behind that 11 
to actually compete, especially in this condensed year for a, a top four place, in my opinion. And then James Rodriguez. Dude has made a huge impact since coming over from Real Madrid. Three goals and three assists in 10 Premier League games. And ever since James has gone out, Calvert-Lewin's goals have completely dried up. Yeah. Because Calvert-Lewin, uh, sorry, because uh, Rodriguez and I think Digne are the two main providers. 100%. You're 100% right. Because Richarlison, while he's a good goal scorer, he's not going to really provide. No. No, he's going to play on the line and get him behind and, and, and you know, sc- score some goals from that. Exactly. So, James Rodriguez has to be healthy for them to have any chance at making the top four, let alone cementing their status as a top seven team in the Premier League. Aston Villa, another huge shock of the Premier League from relegation to possible Champions League qualification? Possibly. I mean, if they win their two game, games in hand, what does that what does that put them on? That puts them on 30, 32. 32 points, which would be one point behind Liverpool. So I'm going to make a case here that Dean Smith has had the best 2020 out of anyone in the world because everyone else has had a trouble 2020 just in life. And he's killing it. He's crushing it. I don't know what he's doing. I don't know what he's having for breakfast. But they, I don't really have a New Year's resolution for them. They just do more of the same. Keep hold of Grealish by any means necessary. Like, do whatever you can to get him to stay. He seems to really like it there. He's the captain. You know, if I think if he wanted to leave this summer, would have been a good opportunity. Um, he didn't take it. Um, keep keep hold of them. I mean, they made they did some great business with Emmy Martinez. Um, great business. Watkins, this is these are these are great signings, like inspired signings. So uh, more of the same. I hundred percent agree. This team is pretty solid at every level of the pit of the pitch at this point. And given that they were battling till the last day last year to avoid relegation, it's pretty yeah. shocking how big of an impact those four signings, Emmy Martin is. Uh, Ali Watkins, Matty Cash, and Bertrand Traore have made on the squad. So Matty Cash is great. He's very good at ride back. He's got good pace. He has a good cross on him. So more the same, same thing. Exactly. Keep it going. Keep the momentum and hope for, hope that Grealish doesn't get hurt because he takes a lot of fouls. Yeah. That would be the one worry for me. So on to Chelsea, a team that is underwhelmed, to be honest. They have underwhelmed on the whole, spent upwards of 200 million pounds this summer. And especially given the coronavirus pandemic, it's pretty fucking remarkable that they spent that much. And my New Year's resolution for them is the 2019-20 Bundesliga versions of Timo Werner and Kai Havertz. Turbo Timo Werner scored 28 goals in the Bundesliga last year which was second in the league behind FIFA player of the year, Robert Lewandowski. He's a very good player. He is. He's a very good player. But for the last three months, Werner's looked more like turnover Werner, sorry, turnover Timo than turbo Timo. (laughs) 
He just has not been up to boys, giving the ball away left and right. Lampard dragged him off at halftime against Arsenal. His confidence looks absolutely shot. He's missing, he's missing sitters. So he needs to get it going. He needs to get it going now for Chelsea to have any chance, in my opinion, at even making the top four, let alone challenging for the Champions League and Premier League title. And then on to Kai Havertz. He's been a disgrace since he's joined. He's got one goal and one assist. They spent 80 million pounds on him. He's got to start proving his worth, even though he's a young player. And I know it takes some time to adjust. He's got to show something. And at least Timo's doing the running and getting in those good positions. Kai Havertz has looked lost to me. I know he had a tough bout with the coronavirus, but... I mean, those are Alexis Sanchez numbers right there. Yeah. Um, I mean, the, the thing with Havertz is, and the thing, honestly, with Werner and Havertz is when you sign players who had, you know, one or two good years in either La Liga or uh, La Liga, or in uh, the Bundesliga or Ligue 1 in France, you're going to have a problem whereby if you have one good year, playing for like Leon or, uh, you know, Bayer Leverkusen, that doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be a star in the Premier League. And I will make a preemptive statement that Havertz will turn out no different to Nicolas Pepe did. I don't see anything in him to suggest that he... Wow, that's a bold fucking statement. Yeah, I don't see anything in him to suggest. I I like, you know, I see Timo Werner and I think you need some confidence... I think you need to be played in a different position. Yeah, he, why he is he play playing on the left wing? I have he no. was a dynamite center forward for RB Leipzig last year. I know, I know. And they don't have, they have two fine center forwards uh, who pull their weight and work hard for the team in Tammy Abraham and Olivier Giroud. But it's just so wild to me that he doesn't play Werner up top um, and see what happens. And I see a lot of things in Werner. Uh, his pace, he gets in a lot of good positions and then misses the chance. But I see a lot of things in Werner. It's like, you know, he's going to come good, I think, eventually. I think Frank needs to work pretty hard with him to get the best out of him. Havertz, every time I watch him, I see no positive to him being on the pitch. I see, I see nothing. I see, I see Pepe as a cam, as a center, as a center attacking midfielder. And that's worrying if, if you're a Chelsea fan. Yeah, I agree. Lampard has to figure it out. Or, I mean, Roman Abramovich in the past has not been scared to sack managers. The yeah. pressure is building on Frank Lampard. If he doesn't get it figured out, it doesn't matter if he's a fucking club legend or not. He's going to be gone. If, there's, if they don't finish in the top four, then I think it's fair to say that he'll be sacked. I think precedent says that Abramovich normally sacks the manager if they don't win the league um, or challenge for the title. I think Frank would have get like a little bit of leeway because he's Frank if they finished third or fourth again. But if they finish fifth or sixth, I, I, I don't see him being there next year. I agree. Now let's move on to their London rivals, Tottenham, who are in seventh, currently in seventh place. They... We're top of the table for a while. 
for about three weeks, but they've really fallen off recently. What's their New Year's resolution? How do they get, how do they get the, the ship back on the right path? So I think they got to get more out of some of their attacking players. Kane and Spock is like, you know, as a duo, like one of the best Millie partnerships ever. I think they're now second in number of goals and assists to one another in all-time Premier League history, I think, behind Lampard and Drogba, I think. I think that's um, single season. No, I think it's all-time. I think they have like 30 and uh, Lampard and Drogba, like 36. I don't know. I'm not sure. Oh, yeah, fair. But anyway, I think they can get more out of their, their other attacking players, like Bale, Bergwijn, Lucas Moura. I think they need to get more out of them. I also think that they have sort of, with their, you know, wins against Man City, uh, Arsenal, um, you know, the way they played against Liverpool, even though they lost, I think they built like, you know, the Mourinho brand where it's like, we'll sit back and we will hit you on the counter and the ball will go into Kane and he'll pass it to Son and we'll score. But exactly. seem to but have, it's not that easy. Teams well, figure it out. Is that easy against Liverpool and Man City? Kind of, because you know they're going to attack you. But Burnley aren't going to press you. You have to press Burnley. So you've got to figure out how do you break down a team when they've got 10 men behind the ball. And I don't really think they know how to do that. Uh, in part because they don't really have a, like a great number 10. Like I, I think Ndombele is solid, but I think they need more. They need more going forward. And also, in my opinion, Mourinho has talked about this. You don't defend super deep and hold on for dear life after scoring the first goal. After scoring, if you you go 2-0 up, that's when you sit back and you soak up the pressure. But you still have to continue to attack once you get that first goal. Yeah. And I saw them against Crystal Palace, then against Wolves. They scored the first goal, and they're basically like, Okay, we'll just chill now. And it leaves you vulnerable to individual mistakes. And one individual mistake can then be costly. As evidenced against Crystal Palace when Hugo Lloris spilled the ball. And they lost Roman Saiz on a corner. Ben Davis, who was marking him. So they got to attack. They have to attack. And they need a third guy that can put the ball into the back of the net. They could have had that game against Liverpool one if they had that third guy. Bergvine got two golden opportunities. Yeah. Should have scored. Bale needs to step up. Deli Alley needs to get his head out of his ass. <laughs> or Jose Mourinho needs to play him. But they need a third guy. Son and Kane, 20, they've scored 20 out of the team's 26 goals. It's not sustainable. You're not going to win anything if two players are scoring that many. Like the most that two players can score in a season, typically, if they're absolutely firing is like 45 to 50, that's not going to be good enough. Yeah. It's just not. You need to score more goals. So they need a third guy. They need one of those guys to step up or they need to go out and find somebody. They're they missing that Christian Eriksen replacement. Yeah. Say that again? They're missing that Christian Eriksen replacement. They need somebody but, but who sits a little further back. Indombele has been great, though. Indombele yeah, but... has been great. Lo has also been good. 
Ndombele is more of an out-and-out midfielder, more box-to-box. I, I'm talking they need that central attacking mid who sits behind Kane and Son. Yeah, I mean, it's a fair point. They need more creativity. They need more of an attacking mentality because Mourinho has instilled more defensive stability in them. They look more secure at the back. But at the same time, if it's one nothing, you got to attack. You can't yeah. just say one nothing is good enough because against most teams in the Premier League, it's just simply not going to be. Sissoko, Hoybier, and Ndombele are the most defensive three, like, combination of midfielders in the Prem. I mean, there's, like, there's very little creativity there between those three. Even Ndombele is, like, a defensive attacking midfielder. He's, like, an attacking midfielder, but he's always being defensive whilst doing his attacking midfielding. Well, it's because Mourinho's his manager. I know, yeah. I think they gotta they gotta they gotta think about that. Agreed. So let's go on to Man City, another team that has underwhelmed this season. Joel, let's get right to it. What do they need to fix? What's the problem? I think we'll disagree, honestly. <laughs> I think so firstly, I'm just gonna say this. Man City are gonna be fine. They're uh, you know, a little bit lower on the table right now but I have no doubt that they'll come second, third, maybe fourth, but they need a center forward. They need a center forward so badly. How they didn't sign a replacement for Aguero, arguably this decade's Premier League greatest goal scorer, arguably, is just crazy. How they didn't sign a replacement. It's not even a replacement, but he's, he's 33. He can barely walk to his car without tearing his knee. Like he, he, they, they need to figure something out. And I don't, I think Gabby Jesus is good for being the guy on the bench. I think he's good as being the, the, the number two striker. I don't think he's a number one striker who wins the league. I 100% agree. And Gabby Jesus has also had trouble staying healthy as well. Yeah. But I, I do agree with you that they need a new center striker. But I also think with the Italian, with the attacking talent that they have in the team, this team should be scoring more goals. They should be. I think they're 11th in goals scored in the Premier League under Pep Guardiola. Yeah. It's shocking. It's shocking. And even the amount of chances that they're creating, like obviously they're not converting. They have had some chances that they've like missed that are sitters. Sitter Mr. Sterling, for example, <laughs> against West Brom. Yeah. He had a sitter, missed it. What a surprise. But... I also think it's the system, and I've talked about this on the show a ton. New manager, get Guardiola out of there. No. He has so been harsh. at Man City the longest of any club Ridiculous. that he has managed in his career. It's time for a new voice, plain and simple. The results, and I think the performances, prove that. I mean, that performance against United was abysmal. You would have never expected that performance that lack of creativity the lack of movement from a pep guardiola side you just wouldn't so i think city fans will realize that they need a new manager at some point next year julian nagelsman max allegri somebody i think that we have set 
like City set a standard in the Premier League, which I don't think has been seen before. The way that they just dominated every game, they floored every team who was below 10th and pretty much would beat every team comfortably other than Liverpool, you know, from third to 10th, from third to ninth. And we, they did that consistently for two years, maybe three. Um, and I think now that they're like having a bit of a shaky six months because they lost David Silva, they have now replaced... David Silva barely played last year. Yeah, but they clear, it was clearly impactful when he left. That there clearly was some room presence. Yeah, maybe it's very possible. Um, I think Guardiola has worn out his influence. He was still the captain, no? He, I think he was the captain when he played. I I don't think Guardiola has worn out his influence. I do not think they'll sack him. I think that would be a terrible mistake. He is the best manager they've ever had. He has done great things for Manchester City, and yeah, so like you know, it looks like they might not win the league this year, but. You know, I wouldn't put it past them winning the Champions League. That they they are they are they are great. There's they no way. There is zero chance that they win the Champions League. Zero chance. They haven't gotten past the quarterfinals with far better teams. Things change so quickly. All, all they like if they like beat three teams, you know, in three weeks, five nil. You know, a lot of this chat is going to go out the window, and then all of a sudden they're second and two points behind Liverpool because that's how the season's working. I, like three weeks ago, people were being like, sack Ollie," And, you know, <laughs> now here we are. Like, it's, it's a weird year. They're a little bit out of form. Um, I, I don't think Pep should be going anywhere. They also have two games in hand right now. Yeah. It's true. They do have two games in hand. But Which put them one point behind one Liverpool. One point, yep. Yeah. It's fair, but who's to say that they would have beaten Everton? It's a tough game. I don't know. I'm not sure. I don't know. It's a tough game. I agree. So let's go to Southampton, ninth place. Let's start to, after we've gone past the big sides, we're going to go with speed, New Year's resolution a little bit. What do you think? What do you think that this team needs? Uh, similar to Aston Villa, keep doing the same. Similar to Grealish, keep Ings, keep him fit. Um, and I like Che Adams and Vestergaard. I think they're both good players. Keep them, and and they look good. They, they look like they're in good shape. I agree. Healthy Danny Ings. They need him back scoring goals. Scored 22 goals last season. He needs to be healthy so that they could ch- they can challenge for those European positions. Yeah. And I, I also do like Vestergaard. He's been very impressive this season. Him being injured is not a great thing, but they need to get him back mm-hmm. and healthy as soon as possible next to Bednarek. West Ham, another surprise team, battled rele- relegation last year. David Moyes did a really good job this year. New Year's resolution for them. Um, I think uh, Bowen is really important. He's been a little bit inconsistent recently, but I was really impressed with him at the start of the season. I thought he was really good. Um, likewise, Mikel Antonio on his day, it's really, really good. He's a really, really good, I guess, centre forward. Can also play on the wing. Um, you know, I think they've got some players who are really good. They just need to, like, get a little bit more in form. If they all hit their stride at the same time, you know, with Declan Rice too, they, 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 they could be a good team. They need to get rid of Sebastian Allaire. He doesn't fit the system. 
Yeah. You watch Mikel Antonio when he plays, and he just constantly runs at defenders, and he's a pest. Allaire is much more of a target man, and he, he just doesn't fit the system. Yeah, I agree. He I does score some wonder goals, though. He's a, he's a scorer of great goals, but not a great goal scorer. Agreed. 100%. Okay. That's okay. perfect. I like that. I like that big show. <laughs> That's why we have him as our producer. I heard somebody on NBCSN say that the other day. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to go for, first of all, keeping hold of Jacqueline Rice. That is imperative for them. He's ordered their captain at 21 or 22 years old. 21. 21. I mean, they need to keep him. They value him at like 70, 80 million pounds. And I'd say that's a fair valuation because he's incredible. And then they need their big summer signing, Saeed Benrama, to have a breakout second half of the season. He was fantastic for Brentford in the championship the past two years. 27 goals, 23, 23 assists in the past two seasons. And he's yet to score his first goal for the club. Provided a few assists, but they need to get him more involved. He needs to be starting more games. He can provide that little bit of creativity and link up really well with Jared Bowen to propel West Ham to a top 10 finish, in my opinion. On to Leeds United, probably the most fun team to watch in the Premier League. Joel, New Year's resolution for them. Never change. Never change. I, like You think Bielsa will? He will never change. I think he's shown in the last two games. I think it was almost like the media were, were having a huge dig at him after the Man United game. And they were saying, like, you know, if you keep playing like this, it's really great football, you're going to lose games. And then they get two clean sheets in a row. And I almost wonder if he was just doing that to be like, yeah, we can do it. But then, like, as soon as in two weeks' time, they're going to go right back to the way they were playing. Um, and I wonder if it was just kind of like a, a flex from Bielsa to be like, no, we can, but we don't want to. Um, I, I think that I think they're just amazing. I just think they're so fun to watch. They are just, you know, you say like uh, a lot of teams come up from the championship and play the way they want to play, and they often try and do that. Like you see, like Norwich sometimes come up and try and play like nice tick attack of football. Yeah, and then they got dicked down. They turn the ball over every but thirty like seconds. Are doing this and like going toe to toe. In, in games against teams who are much better than them. And it's, 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 it's so refreshing. I love it. I, I, I can't fault it. Yeah. My New Year's resolution is they need to have actual defenders, not converted wingers, playing in defense, at least against the big six in the prep. I disagree. <laughs> yeah, I, don't, I, don't, I, want them, I want the converted wingers. I, I Everything need, about it. Dude, uh, no, no, I'm saying against no, no. the big six. No, no, no. against the big six, what they need is somebody to play along Calvin Phillips because that midfield gets so exposed when it's just him. Well, it's because they play a man-marking type system. Bruno right. Fernandes so they need, took they need to Calvin be able Phillips to adapt the, the formation when they play against the big six, not change physically change the, the wing backs, the converted wingers. I think I, 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 I think Bake Show's right. I think that uh, if you just have Calvin Phillips as the low number, like six role, the, the deep lying midfielder, the quarterback, they're going to get overrun in like in the, the United game and in other games. But at the same time, they're just they're just so much fun to watch. 
It's true. That, that game against United deserved 70,000 fans. It was nuts. You'd think they were like one goal behind, you know, in the 90th minute when they're like pouring men forward, like trying so hard. Like every time they go forward, they're like forward pass, forward pass, forward pass, shoot. And then they'll just like sprint back and do the whole thing again. Yeah, I mean, Leeds legitimately, they scored two goals. They could have had at least five. And United scored six when they probably could have had 10. The score could have been 10-5. You're right. Could have been. And it's great. It's, it makes for, it makes for a great watch. It was way more exciting than the recent Man United against, the, against Wolves game. True. It's going True. to be way, way it's better. It's going to be crazy to see the, the contrast between the way Leeds set up on Saturday versus how Tottenham set up on Saturday. They are polar opposites. Yep, exactly. I'm excited. It's going to be fun. that's that's a big game this this weekend, and we'll get to that later. So, to Wolves, a team that is really disappointed. They finished seventh in the Premier League the past two seasons. Currently sitting in twelfth. What do they need? I was thinking about this. I don't actually know because their team hasn't changed between this year and last year, with the exception of the last few weeks, Jimenez going out. But they look worse. Well, well, they sold Jota, though. And they sold Jota. You're right. You're right. And, an Do- and they replaced Doherty with Semedo. Yeah, but I, I, I think Semedo has been a, a good signing. Um, it's, it, well, it's a like, it's like for like. It doesn't actually make a difference. Yeah. Um, I think Jimenez is a huge loss. Fabio Silva, um, I, I don't know who scouted him, but he looks well below the level needed to play in the Premier well, League. Well, he's 18 years old. I know, but he's And they're asking him to play as a central striker. I know, uh, and he doesn't look up to it. I'm not, I'm, I, I'm not saying that in two or three years' time, he's not going to be a good player. Exactly, right yeah. Now, he doesn't look like he can lead that front line. Um, and the few positives from this season is uh, Pedro Neto and Podence. Agreed really come into their own. I mean, Pedro Neto, I think he's only 22. Um, he's, uh, he's a good player. So They have a lot of good young players. Yeah. I think this was more of a rebuilding year. And then Jimenez went out. But I, I think they, they have had big ambitions. They spent a lot of money. Like you can say it's a rebuilding year, but you should still probably finish in the top 10. And I think in order for them to do so, they need to score more goals. They've scored very few goals this season. Diego Costa, he recently terminated his contract with with Atletico Madrid. He could be a very good short-term fix, in my he's opinion. Not, he's not Portuguese, returns. though. So. <laughs> but he has Jorge Mendes as his, as his agent, though. And I guess he is part Brazilian, and you got the Portuguese-Brazilian connection there. Exactly. All right, it works for me. Now let's go to your club, Joel. Arsenal. Oh, um, I honestly don't even know where to start. This could be a whole podcast. I feel like, yeah, this could be a 40-minute rant. Uh, um, I could just sit and listen to you. In short, what do I think Arsenal's New Year's resolution should be? we got to offload the, the shit players that we have. And there are too many to count. Like, you know, Ozil has got to go. Socrates, Xhaka, Elneny. I don't think Elneny's that bad. And Kolasinac is going on loan. They already sent him out. 
Did that happen today? I saw it. Was yep, it happened today. Oh, fantastic. Sent them to Schalke, Schalke if, not, yeah. if I'm not mistaken. Um, I think Bellerin is not good enough. Um, I think there's just so many players who they weren't good enough. When I was watching games under Arsene Wenger, we knew they weren't good enough. And then they weren't good enough under Unai Emery. And they're still not good enough. <laughs> how, are they, how have they lasted so long? I went to college and graduated and they're still there. It's unbelievable. <laughs> um, so you've got to get rid of those players. Um, and um, yeah, I, 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 like, I like Thomas Party. I think you could get him healthy. Um, don't play him while he's, he's injured. He's a top class player. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, I mean, the, the, we got a lot of resolutions to, to, to do this year. But uh, get rid of the bad, the bad bunch would be, would be the, the first thing on my list. I think they need a leader. I think the New Year's resolution for here, Big Cho, go. I think they need a leader. You know, they need somebody to, to step up. The fact that Jaka is the captain half the time is ridiculous. You know, I look at Aubameyang and he, he, he's not it either. He just signed the deal, but uh, they need some like vocal presence, you know, on the, on the field and who can turn around and yell at the other guys when their, their play is not up to standard. I agree. Well, I personally feel like I feel like Rob Holden has attempted to embrace that role more. He has att- at least attempted to. You. And I, I personally like Rob Holden. I don't think he's a bad player. I don't think he's a bad player. But if we're sitting here in one year's time and he is a starting centre back for us, then we probably still got problems because, like you know, he's good, he's fine. Um, but I think I think that he's not great enough uh, but I do think he's a vocal presence and the thing about Aubameyang is a captain is not just your best player that's not what a captain is like we made Aubameyang our captain because we were like he's the only person we can actually rely on to show up every week well, it used to be the case um, and they also wanted to keep him they wanted to get him to sign the new deal um, which worked yay <laughs> um, so uh, I agree. We've got to get a leader. And the thing is, I think the, the biggest leader we have is David Luiz. Yeah. But unfortunately, he's the opposite problem to Aubameyang is that he's, he's just not very good at football anymore. Or, or maybe ever, but it's just, you know. So... He, he, also, he also makes incredibly dumb decisions. He's such exactly. a jackass. He's a madman on the pitch. Um... But uh, yeah, I mean, we got to we got to fix the creative issues. There's a lot of question marks about Arteta that I have personally. Uh, he's not going anywhere at the moment, by the looks of things. But I, I got some questions that I'd like to see him answer on and off the pitch, um, to be honest. So you know, we'll see. It's going to be I think it's going to be a pretty rough next few months. I don't think we're out of our losing spell because we grinded out a result at Brighton. I don't think that will be the end of our bad performances to be honest but I do think having a healthy Thomas Partey and Gabriel Martinelli has provided some source of hope for fans because Martinelli since he's been back he's been a breath of fresh air he has provided great energy and quality alongside along with Bakayo Saka Saka looks to be a fantastic player for the club. 
one of the brightest young English talents at the moment. And Thomas Partey is a very good player as well. And he's back in training. Looks like he's getting back fit. That is huge. That's very important. My New Year's resolution, keep those two players healthy. Martinelli, just coming back from an ACL injury. Partey has been in and out of the lineup. Hasn't played as many games as Mikel Arteta would have liked. They need to keep those two players healthy. If they do, they could make a charge at the European places. They could climb up the table. There are obviously many underlying issues that need to be fixed, like getting rid of the shit, but those two players need to be healthy. It's just that simple. I agree. I I think Thomas Partey is so important because, I mean, in the game against United, he was the best player on the pitch and it wasn't even close. It wasn't even close. Um, And in the half, so he actually played, when he got injured was against the game against Aston Villa, which we lost 3-0. And I believe the score was 0-0 at halftime. And then he got injured and didn't come back on. And again, we looked great for 45 minutes. And then, you know. The ship sunk. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Um, I mean, I mean, he's he's trying to number 10. Uh, it seems to be Arteta's now in the last two games gone with this 4-2-3-1, which is probably our 11th formation t- change this season. But uh, <laughs> you see what we're going with now. And he's playing Emil Smith-Rowe in 10. A good young player. But I'd like to see a sign a, a, essentially a replacement to Ozil, who is now, you know, completely ostracized. Mr. Eriksson? I wouldn't, I wouldn't be opposed to that. I would not be opposed to that. Um, I I like Ericsson because he's played in the Premier League um, and there's a reliability to that. And I don't really want us to sign a player who's going to take like eight months to acclimatize to the Premier League. I I, I, I don't, personally as an Arsenal fan right now, I'm, I, don't, I don't have much patience. <laughs> so I, <laughs> like, I think Ericsson would be a good signing. Um, he's proven in the Premier League and he's a quality player. He's a great Tottenham player. Okay, so on to Newcastle United. They're in 14th. A very boring team to watch. Snooze fest. New Year's resolution for me. A healthy Allen Sam Maximum because he's the only player with quality on that entire team. Oh, well, he and Callum Wilson. But he can create a lot of opportunities for Matt Wide. He's been battling COVID some COVID complications for the past month. He's been out for over a month and they've reported that he may not even come back in January. So just from a personal perspective, I want him to, I want to see him healthy from a humane perspective. I want to see him healthy. And for Newcastle United, he is their main man, very important for their team and, if they want to have any chance of having a positive, a good season, I don't know what that looks like. Maybe finishing around 11th, they have to get them. They have to get them healthy. And yeah. in my opinion, another thing, new manager, Steve Bruce, the fans hate him because of the football that he plays. There really is a lack of ambition at the club right now. Similar size clubs like Aston Villa and Everton are having success. They need a new owner. 
if if the Saudi if the Saudis had taken over that club, they would have been in good shape. They would have spent a fuck ton of money. Yeah. But I don't I don't necessarily think they need a new manager. I don't remember the last time a Newcastle fan was happy with their manager. And really, I think that's just a reflection of how they think. They were about happy it. with Rafa Benitez. They were making some progress. Some progress, but at the end of the day, the, the, the they they have a problem with Mike Ashley, the owner. Um, that's the problem. He was a terrible owner. I would hate to be him, him to be the owner of Arsenal. Not that I like Stan Kroenke, but you know, um, Stan Kroenke, um, those Americans. Yeah, yeah. Um, doesn't he own like the Nuggets and like six other teams in America? Yeah, he owns the uh, Los Angeles Rams too. Okay. Um, yeah, I have, I have not much to add about Newcastle. Like, I, I, I don't have a huge problem with Steve Bruce, but, like, please try and be less boring. Please. It's, that's yeah, really, it's really boring to watch them play. Yeah, terrible. <laughs> yeah, I mean, when they put them at, like, 7.30 a.m. our time, I don't even give it a second thought of waking up. Like, some games, like, I'll wake up, but that's a legitimate snooze, snooze fest. So, so Yeah. Play some more exciting football. Crystal Palace. My New Year's resolution, status quo, keep Zaha. They'll flounder somewhere near the bottom, but not entirely in the relegation race. Yeah. They'll just be mediocre. Yeah. That's kind of how they've been for the last four or five years. Zaha keeps them up and and when they that's lose it, but they could have a lot of competition. I know a lot of Foreign sides are interested in Zaha, AC Milan, PSG possibly. Pochettino was a big admirer of Zaha at Spurs. So it could be tough, but they need to keep Zaha. Ebrici Eze looks like a pretty good player. So status quo. I agree. I got, I got nothing to, to add about Palace. Okay, on to Burnley. For me, money, money, money. John Dyche. He's worked absolute miracles with this team. He's given pennies to spend, absolute pennies, and he will be rewarded. I think it was just confirmed today that an American investment group called ALK Capital will take over, and they're going to give him funds. Finally, they'll be able to buy some good players. They look to be not necessarily out of the relegation race, but – they're playing much better, and they are five points ahead of Fulham. So, the Sean Dyche needs funds. It's just yeah. not a very good squad at the moment, and and yeah, that's what that's the that's the New Year's resolution. I agree. My New Year's resolution for them is, I think Sean Dyke is, is a great manager, having a pretty rough year. Just don't get relegated. Stay in the Premier League. In the summer, they're probably going to get a boost of funds. So just 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 stick around and get through what's looking like to be a pretty rough year. And because I like them. I like Burnley. I like Sean Dyche. On to Brighton. Team currently sitting in 17th. For me, New Year's resolution has to be three points. They've drawn seven fucking times in the Premier League. They have a better goal differential than the three teams above them in the table. They give up a fuck ton of late goals. They just need to secure three points. See out a fucking game. That's my news resolution for them. But if they continue with dropping 
to dropping at least two points in almost every game. They are kind of defensively solid, but I think that you'll find that this season is going to get longer and longer and tougher and tougher for them. And I wouldn't count Alex Brom. I can see it happening. He knows what he's doing. And I don't know if Graham Potter does know what he's doing in the same way. I agree. Let's go on to Fulham. My opinion, they need a striker. Alexander Mitrovic can barely move at this point. Ivan Cavallero looks like a center back when he gets into the box with his finishing. They need a guy who can score goals. They are honestly pretty solid at every level. Like, I kind of enjoy watching them play because Anguissa is a very good midfielder. Lamina, also good, came over from Southampton. Joachim Anderson, they got on loan from Lyon. Like, they have a pretty solid team, but they need a striker. They need a guy who can score goals. Having their right wing back, Bobby de cordova Reed as their top scorer, it's not going to get it fucking done. It's not going to get it done. So they need a guy who can score goals. They need a striker. Whether they invest in the January transfer window, we shall see. But they could be relegated if they don't get one. I think that they will definitely get relegated. Okay. In my opinion, they're just a championship team. Just like they're a yo-yo team. They just come up and down, up and down. Um, and that's just, they're like Norwich. You know, Norwich will be in the Yeah, Norwich are, they're leading the championship now. Yeah. And then they'll get relegated and then they'll lead the championship. It's, it's, there's some teams that just, you just sort of see them and it was like, oh, it was nice to have you. You'll be back soon. <laughs> so, <laughs> that's how I thought Fulham. Daniel Farka at Norwich. <laughs> Love that guy. Yeah. He's the he's a boss. Uh, West Brom. Let's go quickly through them. Same Samuel, they they basically need Samuel Allardyce magic. I think we can both agree on that. They're a championship team like Fulham, but with the Premier League staying up specialist. So it could be interesting. Sheffield United, thoughts and prayers. I mean, they're fucked. Coronavirus was the worst thing to ever happen to them. Yeah. I mean, what they were in. Fifth, sixth. They were challenging for Champions League positions, and then they ended up losing, I think, their last three games, finished in 10th, and that horrible form has continued this season. They have they have the fewest amount of points through 16 games of any team in top-flight history. Well, yeah, all you have to do is win one game, and you'll have more points than them. <laughs> they, they're on pace for five points in the season. That would be funny. At this, point, draws. at this point, they should try and set some records because, you know, they're not staying up. Makes some history yeah. boys. Peace, boys. So let's go on to our starting 11 of the year. Joel, I'll let you start it off, and then we'll see if I have any disagreements, but I most likely will. I definitely will. So in goal, I've got Allison. Just well. I, agree with that. Um, I, I, I do think Edison is, is a close second. But at the end of the day, Allison is just a fantastic keeper. Edison sometimes makes mistakes. I rarely see Allison make mistakes. So, so rarely. And he's great at stopping one-on-ones. And he just, he, he's, he's so solid. He's so, so solid. You saw that when uh, he wasn't playing in the 7-2 Aston Villa game. Like, I'm not saying that Allison would have saved all of those seven goals. Adrian, you know, it's just not 
it's not even the same level of ability. So I'm going with Allison. Um, okay, I'll 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 go for my right back. Sure. But I agree with you. So goalkeeper, I agree with you, Allison. My right back, Trent Alexander Arnold. What about you? I I have perhaps a, a slightly hotter take. I've got Reese James. Um, I okay, just, get out of here. Get out of here. <laughs> I think Trent, as we discussed earlier, is having a bit of a shaky season. Reese James, but it's 2020. We're also talking about last season. Yeah. He was a baller last season. He's a beast. He was what last season? He was a baller. He had like 10 plus goals and 10 plus assists. He led the Premier League in assists, or actually, no, he was second by De Bruyne. I think he had like 17 assists or something. You're talking about Trent. Sorry, I thought you were talking about Reese James. Trent, uh, Trent. Um, Come on, get out of here. Dude, Reese James. If you're, you're going to make that argument, like the, the second best right back in the league is Kyle Walker. Yes, I agree. So how can you make that argument for Reese James? He scored one screamer at Brighton, but outside of that, dude's been like he's good. But come on, get the fuck out of here with that shit. <laughs> All right, fine, fine. I, I'm, a, I'm a huge Reese fan. I think he's fantastic. I think he may start over Carl Walker and Trent in the Euros this summer. Gareth Southgate really likes him, and he doesn't like Trent for some reason. I don't really know why. Um, and. I just think he's class. I, 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 don't, I don't like think it's so easy to knock Cesar Aspilicueta out of that Chelsea team. He's arguably, other than Hazard, maybe the most important Chelsea player of the last five years. He's their captain and he's just chilling on the bench because they have a fucking amazing 18-year-old or however old he is, you know, definitely under 21 player who is both defensively and attacking-wise really good. You're going to say he's better than Alexander-Arnold after that performance against uh, against Arsenal? I'm that's saying, your fucking team. He practically gifted you guys that victory. Yeah, but that's because Tierney is the best left-back in the world. So, you know, we got... Shut, we got shut, to, up, shut up. Get out of here. That was a horrible penalty given away. He looked lost. He's a good player, but come on. Alexander-Arnold, he's had a few shaky performances recently, but gotta make nobody's it better from a dead ball. Nobody is better from a dead ball other than maybe James Ward-Prowse. Everything goes, I mean, everything goes through their wing backs. Alexander Arnold has to be the starting right back. They had 99 points last season. They're leading the table this season. Robo has to be left back. No debate for me. Robo does have to be left back. No debate. I agree. Then other center back, Van Dyke for me. Yeah, me too. Just, I mean, he's the best. He's one of, he's probably the best player in the Premier League. He and De Bruyne. And, yeah. and Fernandez. He, De Bruyne, and Fernandez are the three best players in the Premier League at this yeah. point. Um, for me, this is where we're. This is where we disagree, and I'm going to have to do some debating. But I'm putting Maguire as my left-sided center back. So, I think purely because you look at how bad United were defensively before he got there, versus last season they were solid defensively. They had trouble scoring goals, but I think they gave up the third least amount of goals of any team in the Premier League last season. This season, not as good. He had a rough summer, but he hasn't. He still hasn't, despite all the other stuff that were brought on by him with the grease and getting arrested, he still hasn't missed a single Premier League minute this season. He's one of four players not to miss a game. Started all 38 games for them last season. 
durability, it's a lost art nowadays. And his Uber availability has allowed some stability for United at the back. He's already taken on the captain role. I, I think he's, listen, he's had a bit of a rocky 2020, but he is the, I think he's the captain of the England national team for a reason. And I think that shouldn't go unnoticed. Kane, Kane, Harry Kane. Oh, really? But if Kane wasn't playing, it would probably be Henderson. But if Henderson also wasn't playing, it would probably be Maguire. <laughs> okay, so he's the third choice captain. He's <laughs> the third choice. The no, third choice captain. So I, I actually, I'm not going to like argue like, actually don't think Maguire is such a bad pick. I think it's very respectable that he had a horrendous six-week period getting arrested, losing 6-1 to Spurs and being at the centre of that disaster. Uh, he gets sent off for England, I think, as well. He did, yep. Yeah, just just having... A, and I respect that throughout that whole time, Oli didn't drop him. He just kept playing. He just kept playing. And he just took it on the chin and just tried to, just tried to improve. I think it's really respectable. I was torn between uh, Eric Dyer, Connor Cody and Laporte. And I ruled out Laporte just from an injury basis. And I've gone with Eric Dyer because I think that Spurs were not known for being a defensively solid team. Um, and a lot of that is due to Mourinho. But Van, Vertonghen left and someone needs to fill that space next to uh, uh, out of Vireld. And Eric Dyer is not even a centre-back by trade. He's a holding midfielder and he's got into that position and I think he's been really impressive. I think Mourinho put a lot of trust in him. Um, he also has had like a, a complicated last few years. And I think he's had a great year. I think a great 2020 year. Um, and I think he's a really large part why that back five for Tottenham have been so solid. So I'm going with Eric Dyer. Also a slightly controversial pick, but you know. I'm stunned by that take. It is flaming hot. <laughs> Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I, I when I watch Tottenham, I am always more impressed with Aldevero than Eric Dyer. I think Eric Dyer misplaces a bunch of passes, gives away some penalties. I don't think he's adapted to center back as well as you've made it seem. But he's been better than expected. Uh, yeah, but maybe the barometer I'm, was low, in my opinion. I think from Reece James, he's a shit center defensive midfielder. Oh yeah, god awful. <laughs> he's shit. <laughs> There's no way he should get near the England national team with that center defensive midfielder position. But, yeah. Yeah, I don't but he's I, been I, better. He's been better. But but I don't think I think it more has to do with Hoybier and Sissoko than Eric Dyer. Kyle yeah. Walker is a better center back than Eric Dyer. <laughs> I think you guys are underrating Eric Dyer a little bit. I'm also coming at both Reese James and an Eric Dyer point of view as like. This may a, be a, a bit of recency like, bias. It might be. It's been a, dude, I don't remember February. I don't remember what that time was like. It's difficult to say. But Do you uh, remember Mardi Gras? No, definitely not. <laughs> 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 um, quote unquote, I think I'm coming from like a most improved, like they most impressed me. Like when last year, I don't even really know if I knew who Reese Jones was that well, you know, 18 months ago. 
uh, Eric Dyer, I thought was like a flat out, like horrendous footballer. Yeah, I, I, I could see that. Um, so now let's move, move to our midfield. I think we are in agreement here. Center defensive midfielder, Fabinho. Yeah. Attacking midfielders, Fernandez and De Bruyne. Yeah, I mean, it picks, it picks itself. Uh, it's a little harsh on Henderson. Being yeah, that's the only debate, really. Should um, Henderson or Fabinho be in there? But, you know, if you think about it, if you take Henderson out that team from a footballing perspective, not from a leadership perspective, but from a footballing perspective, they have Wijnaldum, Cater, now Thiago, uh, Oxlade-Chamberlain, uh, Curtis Jones, Jota. They can all play the Henderson role, all of them. Uh, and most of them can play it pretty well, to be honest. But like Fabinho is, is just world-class in that deep-lying role. He also, if I can offer another hot take, is the second best centre-back in the league, in my opinion. Jesus. Damn, well, Joel. Well, just throwing out the hot takes. So, uh, what's going on here? You must be going stir crazy over this lockdown. Maybe it's made you. Maybe you're hallucinating or something. Who's, who's, who's been who's been a better centre back than him over the last? What was it like three months, six months since the start of the season when Van Dijk got injured? Uh, Ruben Diaz. No, I disagree. I think Fabinho. What? Is I think Fabinho's been better. He plays in that role so seamlessly. It's Ruben Diaz has slotted into City seamlessly. Ruben Diaz has been fantastic. Aldevaro yeah. has been better. I don't think Aldevaro has been better. Fofana has probably been better. I also don't agree. I, I mean, there is, the problem with defenders, the problem with defenders and picking defenders and why it's so hard is because there aren't those metrics like like you can measure like you can measure the impact that a forward has, goals yeah. and assists. It's simple. But center backs you can talk about tackles, you can talk about teams' defensive records, but a lot of it has to do with communication. A lot of it has to do with tracking runners. So goalkeeper. Goalkeeper, exactly. So so I think it's difficult to say, but either way, I think it's done amazingly at center. I think Ruben Diaz has fixed that city defense. They were Yeah. They had I, holes left and right in them. They were they were I, like I mean, yeah, they, they were Swiss cheese last year. Bit of a, a John Stones renaissance. It's true. John Stones has yeah. really, I was skeptical at first, but he's put in at least seven or eight consistently good performance performances yeah. and consecutively. So, so yeah, I think he's been good as well. But, but I think the only debate in the midfield, obviously, is Fabinho. You could throw in Conte. You could throw in Ndidi as well and Didi was fantastic this past year so I think it's a tough one with that position but let's go with Fabinho for for time's sake let's go with that <laughs> now the forward line is also tough as well it's really tough there are tons of really talented good attackers and let's go with one that I don't think we'll argue about Salah at right wing no argument there no argument there well, center forward for me, it's either Kane or Vardy. I have Kane. Okay. And then left wing, this is the most debated position. You could throw in five guys into this position. 
but I'm going with Rashford for his work on and off the pitch. He was great in the Champions League. I think he scored five or six goals in the Champions League. Has really picked it up in the Premier League recently. I think he's on seven goals now. He got an MBE for his work with, uh, with ensuring that school children had, um, had meals and were properly fed. So I think for his work on and off the pitch, he has to be in that position. He's provided some source of light in such a dark time. I completely agree from, from a non-footballing perspective. And a little bit from a footballing perspective, I, I, I completely agree. Uh, he's, he's been unbelievable. I mean, he's in the news every day here. Um, and he has, you know, both campaigned and made a really, really big impact on using his platform to, to do great things. I, I think that's unbelievable. Uh, my pick is, is Human Son. Um, That's true. Son, I think Grealish, I think Sterling could be thrown in there. I think there's, there's so, so many, many great left wingers. Yeah. Um, but I, Mane. I just think. Yeah, Mane. That's true. Mane. I, I honestly forgot about him. Yeah. Um, so my pick is Son, but honestly, there's a number of people that you could pick and make a good argument for. So there you have it. That is our starting 11 of the year. Some disagreements in there, but. There were some guys that clearly stood out. I think Fernandez and De Bruyne are at the top of the list. They have been the two best players in the Premier League. They play the same position. Ben and I have had arguments about who is the better player. Joel, who, who, who in your opinion? I, I'm not sure if it should it be the better player or the guy that you would build your team around. So the better player for me is De Bruyne. Okay. The technical ability, he is the best footballer in the league and one of the best in the world from a technical ability. But Bruno Fernandes, I think I said this to you actually the other day, he reminds me of in the Euros final when Portugal won against uh, France and Ronaldo is like not on the pitch. He's, he's you know, wearing his suit on the sideline because he was injured and he's essentially managing the team. He is the manager and whoever the Portuguese manager was at the time, I can't remember, is like not even the manager. When I watch Man United play, I feel like Bruno Fernandes is the manager. He is screaming at everyone on the pitch. He's telling them where to pass. He is actively making things happen. He plays with this like arrogance that's just so good to see because he can pull it off. So who would I want on my team? I want Bruno Fernandes on my team. I agree. I agree because I think De Bruyne's overall quality is immense. And Bruno Fernandes may not pull off the with the same accuracy, the like the great passes that De Bruyne makes. But at the same time, Fernandes is attempting 10 of those incredible passes per game. De Bruyne mm-hmm. is probably attempting five. He'll complete four of those five De Bruyne yeah. and Bruno may complete five or six of his 10, but that equates to more chances for Man United. And yeah. I think the amount of chances that Bruno Fernandes has, has made since coming over, it's astounding. I think he's created the most chances in the league this season. He has 
18 goals and 14 assists in 29 games since joining the club. Which is more than anyone. Has there ever been a guy that's come over in January and made that type of an impact for a club? Has just fit like a glove to the Premier League? I mean, I can't think of it. I cannot think of it. The only one I can think of, interestingly enough, is his compatriot, Cristiano Ronaldo, who came and, and, and had, a, had, had a similar impact, although United were in a much better shape then than they were when Bruno arrived. Um, yeah, they had Sir Alex Ferguson. They didn't have that same stability. He came into a team that was floundering, and now they're legitimately t- contending for the title. And that's part of his impact. Um, you know, if De Bruyne leaves that Man City team, they're obviously worse. They're definitely worse. Far worse, yeah. United lose Fernandez. I don't really know where they are. Like he is, he is every goal that you guys have scored this season. He is either scored, assisted, or heavily involved. He, here's the thing: if Man City lose De Bruyne, they lose an immense amount of quality. If United lose Fernandez. They lose quality and they lose their identity. That's the key distinction. Bruno Fernandez is their identity. And I think you saw that against West Ham. And for me, that's what makes him probably the most valuable player in the league. And possibly... It's it's probably him or Van Dyke. I I don't actually know how old Van Dyke... But Liverpool have survived without Van Dyke. Man United don't seem to be able to survive without Fernandez. Yeah, but centre well, back. That's also then and just because of how rare they are to have a centre back like him. So that's also true. because the coaching Klopp is yeah miles better than Ole. Very true. Fair, yeah. fair. Van Dijk is twenty nine, so that means that Bruno Fernandez is the most valuable player in the Premier League, in my opinion. Yeah. So let's go on to our preview and predictions for match week set seventeen. We're only going to touch on the four biggest games of the weekend. First up, tomorrow, we have Manchester United against Aston Villa. Joel, give me your prediction for this one. I think it's Man United. You guys really? Wait, yeah. so you're more bullish on Man United's chances of winning this game than I am? I am. I think you guys are in great form. I think that 1-0 win against Wolves was huge. Because you didn't play well. You didn't play badly, but you didn't play well. And you ground out a result. And now, all of a sudden, literally in the space of three weeks, you guys title challenge. And three weeks ago, like everyone was being like, sack Ollie. Um, and I think there's big momentum there. There's big momentum there. Marcus Rashford is, is, is in form. He's not like on fire. You know, I, I think he's got more to give. But he's definitely in form. Uh, um, defending you guys are looking a little bit more robust. I think you've got it. I think you've got it in the bag. Yeah, I do think a really encouraging sign was that United played Pogba in that midfield two, and they didn't really give up any clear-cut open play opportunities against Wolves. He did have that one turnover in the first half that uh, they directly had a shot off of. But it wasn't that glaring. It wasn't a great opportunity. It was like a shot from outside the box that De Gea saved comfortably. So that was a really positive sign from the Wolves game. 
They didn't create enough going forward. They were not as sharp as they needed to be. But the quality up top and the defensive stability with Eric Bailly in the back next to Maguire. Maguire, for all of his strengths, he's a boss. He is slow as shit. He is very, very slow. Very, very slow. And Bailly, despite the fact that every time you watch him, you're nervous as fuck, especially when he's on the ball. You're like, please don't give it away. Don't make a mistake. The dude is very fast. He can run with any center forward in the league. And I think that showed at least once when Wolves were on the counterattack. Yeah. He, kept he intercepted up. the ball when if Lindelof was in that game, there would be no way he was getting to that. Lindelof, I... I, I, I I'm I not a fan of Lindelof in general, but I think that was something that's really encouraging. Obviously, they, they, they rested Fred and McTominay, who have been their top two center defensive midfielders this year. Well, They've both what, been in great form. What the fuck is up with Van de Beek? Is, is he going to get That's a on really the pitch? good question. I mean, what, what the fuck? Why can't the, he get What a is game? wrong with 53 million? I think, I think Oli didn't want to sign him. I think that wasn't Oli's signing. And he came to United and he trained a little bit. And clearly in training, he's shown that he can't play in the deep lying two where Fred and McTominay and Pogba can play. I think he's clearly shown that like that's not his position. And I don't really think Oli like really likes him that much. Like they've got him, so now they're gonna have him. And he's not gonna play in number 10 because there's Bruno. So I think I think it's a little bit of that. I, I just seems to me like Oli from like the first game had no intention of starting him ever. I mean, we'll see. I think he's also finding his feet in the Premier League. It's, it's not a bad very thing to tough because of the sheer pace that is on display in the Premier League. The athletes are better than anywhere else in the world. And Van de Beek is not blessed with great pace. So I think it's going to take, I think it takes some time for him to, you know, get acclimated, but it is a little bit worrying that 15 games into the season, he started one game in the Premier League. So that's a bit worrying, but I'm going to go with a draw, to be honest. I don't know. I just, I just feel like United are a bit tired. Villa have been in good form. They drew against Chelsea 1-1. I think it's a similar result, to be honest. I just do. I'm going to think with my head, not my heart here. Despite me wanting them to win so badly, go level with Liverpool at the top of the table and really make that game on January 17th at Anfield even more juicy. That's what I want. I want it to be even better. And if United win this game... It's going to be a top-of-the-table clash, and it's going to be a really good indication as to whether United are pretenders or contenders. Mm -hmm. So let's go on to our second game of the – second big game of the weekend, Tottenham against Leeds. This should be fantastic. I'm really, really excited for this one. And it's two completely contrasting styles. I'm going for Tottenham. You're going for a draw. Why do you think this game's going to end in a draw? I think it's going to go for a draw for the exact reason that you said earlier in the podcast, which is they don't go for a second. Tottenham 
we're going to sit back, uh, probably, and absorb some of that Leeds pressure. I think they're going to get a goal on the counter. I think it's going to be a 1 0 to Tottenham for a long period of the game. And they're not going to, they're not going to go and do it again. I, I, I just, I think, I think they look a little short of confidence. And the thing I find with Mourinho teams, which you'll know better than, than most, is when they blow hot, they blow fucking hot. But when they blow cold, they also just like, he's got such an aura of either I'm the king of the world or everything's going terribly, like I'm moaning so much. It's and true. I think they're veering into the latter. So I just, I could see it being a draw. I could see it being a draw. I don't know what, I just think that first it's of all, Tottenham. It, on paper, it's a perfect game for Tottenham. Exactly. I, I think the fact that Tottenham and Fulham was postponed yesterday, they are going to be very well rested. Finally, they'll have some time to get the much needed rest that they, that they kind of are crying out for. I think the fact that Leeds play, they use this man marking system. I mean, the pace and quality that Spurs have up top I don't know. I just think it'll leave them acres of space. Acres of space. So I think Son and Kane could have a field day. And if they actually put that pedal there or that, that foot to the gas pedal, they could rack up a robust scoreline at the expense at the expense of Leeds, similar to the way that Man United destroyed mm-hmm. them. But at the same time, if they sit back after scoring the first goal. Like you said, they could end up drawing or they even could lose. So the game is just ripe for the counterattack for Tottenham. Yep. Yeah, I agree. So next one, probably the 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 match of the the game of the week. Okay. Definitely the game of the week. Chelsea against City. I'm we really, disagree on this one. I'm really excited for this game. This is two teams who are, as we said in the resolutions and stuff, they're underperforming. But I think that they're both really good attacking teams. Um, I'm going to go with City because Chelsea just look a little lost right now. They look a little lost right now. Frank keeps changing up the system. You know, he's playing three in midfield with a holder. He's changing up whether it's Kante, Jorginho as the holder. He's playing 4-2-3-1. Werner is shot. Havertz, we discussed. So I'm going to go with City. But I think a good game. I think it's going to be a good game. And I, I also don't know. Uh, maybe we'll talk about this in a few minutes. I don't know what will happen with COVID, to be honest. I'm not Dude, sure. Jesus, Walker, and Ederson all have COVID. And uh, I, believe there's, I believe there's two others. There's two other players, but they didn't release yeah, the names of those two names. other players. Yeah. So I just, I mean, City had to close their training ground down. Like, yeah, if they don't reopen their training, they'll be fit and rare. Like, but if they don't, like Chelsea, will be ready to go. They're going to have six days to prepare. They don't have the same COVID issues that City do. Most of their key attacking players are fit, other than Hakim Ziyech. So, I think it's a matter of just getting those good attacking players going. And I think having those six days in between the Aston Villa game and the City game could work wonders for Frank settling on a system just 
pushing that refresh button. Yeah. So it's gonna be a good game. It's gonna be a good one, but I think Chelsea will win simply because City are gonna be missing a lot of big players, a lot of key players, and the mental, the physical, and emotional toll of COVID could play a huge factor. It could. It, you, you're definitely right. Chelsea have more time to prepare. They got, you know, they're not hit with this COVID situation. And so, you know, that they, they, in theory, are more in shape. Okay. Last game of the festive fixtures. It's a peach, to be honest. It's a really good game. Southampton against Liverpool. Joel, who are you picking? Liverpool. They drew their last two games, and I don't see Jurgen Klopp going three games that win. I don't see this Liverpool team going three games that win. They're just too good. They have too much quality, and they're too competitive. They are. They are at this point. They've become kind of serial winners to the point where they won't accept that. They won't accept going three games that win. Yeah, I agree. I 100% agree with you. Liverpool are going to win this game. I also think the absence of Yannick Vestergaard as center back for Southampton could prove pivotal because against such a potent attacking threat, I mean, you need everything that you have. You need everything. And Jack Stevens was pretty sauce, pretty suspect against uh, West Ham in their last game. Not a great replacement. Not a very good replacement. Vestergaard has been one of the better center backs this season. Really impressive campaign. Scored some goals. Exactly. A real threat from set pieces where Liverpool have kind of been a little weaker given that they don't have Van Dijk in there. So, I don't know. I, I, I think Liverpool are definitely going to win, though. Me too. The, the one concern for me with Liverpool would be the fact that Southampton like to press. They're going to put you under pressure. And how well do Nat Phillips slash Reese Williams deal with that in possession because they're not going to sit back. And with the pace that Che Adams and Danny Ings have, they're going to need to be sharp on the ball. Maybe they just kick it long, but how will that affect their build-up play? So that's a slight worry for me, but at the same time, the fact that Southampton press, once if Liverpool unlock that press, so much space in behind, Liverpool are going to exploit it. They're going. They're, I mean, they're going to end the festive fixtures. Very strong, heading into their top of the table clash with Manchester United. They're going to be riding high. Yeah. So, that is all. Thank you so much for joining us again, Joel. It was Thanks a pleasure to have you back in the booth. Thank you so much. Uh, it's been an absolute pleasure to be back. Um, I really enjoyed this, and I want to wish you a, a happy new year. Exactly. Happy New Year to everybody out there. Hopefully 2021 can be better than this shit fucking 2020. I'm just relieved to see 2020 in the rearview mirror. Yeah, me too. Me too. Onwards and up. I mean, what are you doing for New Year's, Jules? I am... What am I doing for New Year's? I am seeing two friends and we're going to sit around and like play cards and drink there's there is really very little that we can do um yeah dude i'm eating hors d'oeuvres with my family (laughs) hors d'oeuvres and champagne with 
my we'll sister, my mom, and my dad. You'll be in bed by 10. It's going to be fucking brutal. <laughs> First New Year's ever, but, you know, that's just, it's the cherry on top of a really shitty 2020. Exactly, and uh, can only get better, let's hope. So, exactly. So thank you so much for joining us, guys. We'll be back probably after this next match week. There's going to be a little bit of a break between um, between the Premier League action. So it should be a good chance to catch our breath and look forward to towards 2021. So thank you so much for joining us. Big show, great job producing. Joel, thank you for coming on. We'll be back very soon. <laughs>